0: us back at it again with another episode of Miss Congeniality hi guys welcome to 2023 welcome to a new era kind of I don't know I feel like there's there's a shift and we're gonna talk about it because this episode is all one big fucking catch up we're just gonna chat like really sit back relax like get your coffee go on your little hot girl walk like there I don't know how much novel smart intelligent even information will be thrown at you during this episode I think it's mostly just going to be vibes and I say that because I haven't talked to you guys one-on-one in a while and I just felt like we needed that so it's all basically going to be updates and just like my cumulative thoughts on the beginning of this year I will say it's pretty warm in New York City I'm pretty sure it's like 50 degrees I will fact check it i love to give you guys the weather so it's like 50 degrees um high 50 low 45 it's 49 right now and I have the worst chill, but I don't feel sick other than, like, my period coming or whatever. Like, I'm not sick. Like, I feel completely fine, but I am chilled to the bone. My bedroom is pretty drafty in Manhattan, and so maybe it's that, but, like, my fingers are cold. I'm underneath three blankets right now podcasting in my bed, which I never do. I hate working in my room. Whenever I do podcast from here, I try to, like, set up, like, an office vibe But I just couldn't today. So that's what we're doing. And I think I need to go easy on myself in that way. Like if you need to work from your bed today, you're going to work from your bed. But I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday season, holiday break. I definitely did. I did just want to say like for starters to start out, if you're coming off the holidays like so fucking relieved that you're not at home anymore, so grateful to be back wherever you live, or just back in your routine, or getting back into it, and you saw a lot of content that was, like, vacations, and trips, and, like, happiness, and you weren't feeling those same ways, just know that, of course, like, it is valid to feel that way. Take your space, take your boundaries, block people, but also just know that in the, like, all social media is fake. Like, I can't express this enough, and I think about it all the time, like, even when you're trying to be as real as possible, and as genuine as possible, you're still like curating content to post on the internet and you're still going to be leaving things out because I don't know anybody that's like I mean maybe like I don't know anybody posting like everything like 1000% of everything like we can get pretty close I feel like I do but like there are personal things that you don't post online because like you don't need your audience to know about the fight your family got in or like the shitty thing going on or like the personal struggles like to some extent so I feel like just just so you know, even your most like realistic, real people that you follow online aren't giving you the full picture because they can't, because they shouldn't, because that would be weird. And that every single time somebody posts online, it is a performance, even if they're being true and honest. And I just want to say that to start because it was something I was reflecting on a lot over the holidays where I was like, I'm obviously, like, my goal here is to entertain people, make them feel good, influence them to feel empowered and good about themselves. I'm not going to, like air out my dirty laundry on like on the internet doesn't it's not something I want to do it's not something within my threshold it's not something I'm doing at all and I think like I was thinking a lot about like well I'm presenting all this happiness I'm sure people are comparing myself themselves to me that's natural and I just wanted to remind you guys that like it's not the full story and not to say anything like specific happened just like I'm not going to show that argument or whatever else. And, like, people that are in super happy, like, relationships that, like, post the highlights of their relationship. Like, they're not showing you the insecurities they have, the fight they got in, the conversations behind closed doors. You're not seeing any of that. And it goes both ways. Like, we just don't know each other. I feel like we know each other. You guys know that. But, like, of course we don't, like, know each other face to face. We're like, you're not the person that I'm coming to crying when something goes wrong. And I do, I have a question. And please sound off in my DMs. What do you guys think about when people set up phones... To, like record themselves crying I have a take on this where I think like I have pictures of myself crying because they were like for my like finsta or like I don't have a finsta but like I used to or like my snapchat like friends or like my snapchat private or like just like to text to my friend but I like have never set up the phone to like cry unless I was, like, happy crying, I've never, like, when I was sad, like, my guttural reaction was, like, set up the phone, and I feel like we're seeing a lot of this discourse because of, like, everything going down with, like, that couple, I think Matt and Abby, when he, like, set up the phone to, like, clean up her vomit, and she's, like, clearly unwell in bed, and, like, obviously, like, they have their own relationship, whatever, but it just, like, struck people the wrong way, and and if you've recorded yourself crying and put it online, I'm not saying that, like, there's any problem with that, it's just so interesting to me, because I've never, like, had that I have the reaction to record a lot of things and I've never had the reaction when I was like deeply sad to record it when I'm like hysterically sobbing and like really sad about something and I'm not saying I'm not invalidating their sadness I'm just wondering are we that ingrained in the mindset of like social media that like that is our thought process maybe we should just feel emotion offline you know sometimes anyway though I don't know how you guys feel about it I just have always found it kind of strange and if you've done it that's fine you do you I'm not judging you personally I found it strange but anyway I've been getting back into it. I got back on the 2nd. I was with my family on a little trip, and it was nice to have everyone together because my one brother lives in Seattle, and um, the other's on the East Coast, but it's like, we're still far apart. I don't see them like as often as I'd like to, so it's really nice to all be together, and yeah, we just had a really low-key New Year's. I never have been a big New Year's person, and I said this on TikTok, but I think, or I can't really tell, but I think it might be because my parents aren't big New Year's people, like... Not that they aren't or anything, but like growing up, if we were home, my dad was working on New Year's because it's a really busy night in the restaurants, and my mom just like wouldn't go out without him, so she was just like at home. So they were never big into New Year's. So I kind of was raised thinking that it like wasn't. I didn't like know how like epic it can be for people, um and so I've just never felt like super inclined to go out on New Year's Eve. But I did have fun. I thought it was fun. Um, we just stayed home. And if you went out, that's amazing too. I saw a lot of good content of like amazing fierce outfits, and that's the thing about going out for me. I'm not huge into going out, but I love getting ready. I love putting on an outfit. Like I'm going to dinner with my friends tonight, and it's gonna be pretty casual, like sweaters and jeans. But I'm like, mm, how can I make this a moment? Cause I just wanna like, I wanna sparkle. I wanna dazzle. Um, I just love getting ready. But I hope you guys had a good New Year's. And I feel like. I've seen a lot of this on TikTok, but I feel like there's something in the air in 2023 already where we're all collectively feeling, like, really fucking good. I don't want to speak for everyone, and, like, obviously, if something, like, terrible happened in your life, like, you're not feeling fucking good, but I meant holistically. Like, the energy of the year is, like, I don't know, I feel like we're kind of, like, out of the woods all of a sudden. Like, I feel like, you know, when you're underwater and you're, like, holding your breath and doing, like, a breathing competition with someone and then you come to the surface and you break to the surface and take your first breath of air, it low-key kind of feels like that. I'm like, are we back? And like, I had a great fucking year last year, but I didn't feel like I was like back. Right now, I'm like, I'm vibrating, I'm buzzing. Like, things feel so amazing. But I feel like this with a lot of things, and I'm gonna try to explain it, and I feel like men wouldn't understand this concept. I feel like we all decided that it was gonna give, that like 2023 was gonna serve, it was gonna give, and now it is. And I think it's like less so about like the actual energy or like whatever it is that we're all feeling as a collective body and more so about like making a thing of it. And I know this is so hard, but like women do this really well. We make things of things like the Stanley Cup. Like people are like, what is the hype? Why is it so viral? Or like emotional support water bottles in general. It's like because we made a thing out of it. Like it's a little thing to like fill up your water bottle that you bring everywhere and always have with like ice water or like liquid IV or like, lemon, whatever it is, it's, like, we've made a thing of the thing, it's the same thing as, like, get ready with me content, like, doing your makeup on camera, like, we've made a thing out of it, and now it's a thing, I, like, I cannot find a good wording for this, but it is, for lack of a better phrase, a thing, and I feel like we just made 2023 a thing, like, we were all ready for a year to give, to serve, to get up, to, like, go after it, to be the, like, to just, empower ourselves and now we're like making it a little performance i saw this tiktok that was like just give 2023 the old razzle dazzle and i was like no that's exactly it it's giving because we've decided that it would give and now it's a thing because we've made it a thing i think a lot of my content is about making things into things like when i'm like okay like on tuesdays i do my laundry and i like kind of i kind of like make it a thing like it's not boring if it's a thing like i put on i save a podcast for my laundry time then I plan out what I'm gonna do like what's my 45 minute task while everything is in the wash and then what is my hour task while everything's in the dryer and then I play the podcast out loud while I'm folding and like I made it into a thing and now it's a thing and now I'm kind of like looking forward to it it's almost like therapy I feel like we did that with 2023 and I'm fucking loving it let me know if you understand the concept of making a thing into a thing because I'm gonna put this on TikTok because I think like people are like what is it about the Stanley Cup and I'm like we've made a thing a thing that's all I'm trying to say it's like women get it other people don't this is for the girls only the girls gays and days, of course only only but I guess I'll start with some personal updates now everybody wants to know how my trip abroad was and also like to have recommendations and if I'm being so honest Veronica made our entire Paris itinerary and I was literally just blindly making my way through like just like listening to her and getting after it and it was really cold while I was there so like that was also a factor where we couldn't do as much outdoor things as we wanted because it was like 18 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is Celsius, but it was really cold. I love Paris. We were only there for 48 hours, but I want to go back for like a week. I just feel I'm obsessed. It is so... I don't even know. It's just like sparkling and beautiful and special to me. It's kind of similar to how I feel about Italy. I just like really like European cities, especially Italian ones, and Paris obviously isn't Italian but it's one of two French cities I've been to and I'm so obsessed with it we were only there for 48 hours like I said and we stayed at the Maison Armand's hotel which is like a bread and bed and breakfast sort of like boutique hotel and it's really safe I felt really comfortable there it was really cute and honestly we were exhausted so we were just like passing out there at the end of the night because like I didn't even like take a nap when I got there I just we just barreled through um and then we took the high-speed train to London from Paris and I just need to say like that shit is crazy like they're always talking about like we're gonna make a high-speed train in America blah blah blah, blah. I don't think they ever will um because I feel like they're all talk but that's another story um it's kind of scary like regular trains like you can get up and like you have your hands like on the tops of the seats to like walk to the bathroom or like a beverage cart or something and by regular I just mean like a regular speed train But with a high-speed train, like, it is so scary to get up and walk because it's going so fast. I've never been on something that moves so fast. I've never seen so many people unfazed with how fast something moved. Like, clearly, I'm the dumbass American on this train. Like, holy shit. But I was absolutely shocked. It was insane. Insane. And then we went to London. Um, London, I really like. I will say, I feel like when I travel abroad... Often I'm looking for something that's like a culture shock. I like like that. I like to like learn about culture and history And obviously there's a ton of culture and history in in london and i'm not suggesting there isn't But I feel like it has a similar melting pot vibe that new york city has where there's just like a lot of different people A lot of different cultures Obviously, it's like english-speaking and there are like a couple different things But I almost like the way it feels to be like utterly confused in a, in a new place or like to feel kind of on the outside and obviously I don't like fully blend it in London because like I'm American as fuck but I feel like you can a little bit more it's just like a little bit more similar to the US Um but I do love it I, I will say it's like so much quieter cleaner and safer than New York City Um obviously I love New York City no shame to New York City but I feel like Somebody once said to me that, like, they say London is the New York of Europe, and I don't necessarily know if that's fully true, because there are a lot of differences, and obviously it's, like, architecture is so different, um, that's one of the things I love the most about London is the architecture, and I love Notting Hill. I feel like if I ever was going to live in London, I would want to live in Notting Hill. I'm not, like, that familiar with London yet to know if I'd want to live there. It's really big, but I honestly had the best time, and honestly, it was less touristy than... Um, than my trip in Paris because Veronica lives in London so like we were just like staying at her flat and like doing a bunch of things that um she does on her day-to-day basis I will say the department stores go so hard there like suffrages selfridges that's how you pronounce it I kept calling it suffragettes selfridges and liberty I'm obsessed they are incredible for lack of a better phrase like incredible they go so hard and The other thing that was like so crazy to me that I always forget about is that people don't tip there because they're like paid enough that tipping isn't a thing. I always feel so rude not tipping because I'm such a big tipper in the US that I'm like, oh my god, you guys don't tip? Crazy. Crazy. I don't know. What do you guys like better? I feel like I'm having a one-sided conversation right now. I want to know if you guys prefer London to New York or New York to London. I really love London and I really want to bring my mom there because she loves all that She's big into like any historical portrayal of anything British on Netflix and HBO and Hulu and whatnot. So I do feel like I really want to bring her there. But really, that's the vibe. It was really nice and just like catching up with Veronica. And that was really great. And then I had my boyfriend at home with me for the holidays. And the holidays were really great. There was not a lot of pressure. It was nice to just have him with us. I feel like when your significant other can like kind of have their own individual relationships with people in your family it's really special and you start to realize like maybe if that's not important to you you wouldn't feel it this way but for me it's important to me that like my person would like want to have relationships like specifically with my brothers and like relationships that are void of me where they can like talk to my brother or like whatever and like be friends with them and I feel like it's really nice when like you start seeing someone do that especially when it's like on their own accord and I feel like It's so full circle for me because my ex-boyfriend was really not like this. Like, he didn't really care to make any personal relationships with people in my family. And also, like, I remember he didn't have any plans for, like, New Year's. And he told me that his parents, like, said he couldn't come um, with us on our family vacation because I was allowed to invite him and I invited him. And he like was like yeah my parents don't want me to and then I was with his parents and they accidentally were like yeah we have no idea why he doesn't want to go like he mentioned that you invited him like he's totally welcome to come and it was so awkward and I was like oh you fully just like you don't want to spend time with my family and like that's so fine and if you don't want to I'd rather you be honest like I'm not really interested in coming on the family trip or like I just want to stay home or whatever like honesty is the best policy and then I could decide from there but like the lie of it all kind of just feels so weird and so like to be on the other side of that I feel like that's when you realize like Because it hurt so badly when that relationship ended, but it's the kind of thing where the reason will make itself known to you in the future and the reason made itself known to me. So it's really special to be able to see that take place. And if you're having trouble with like either making individual relationships with like your partner's family or having them do it with yours ask yourself if that's something that you even want and it's totally okay if you don't but if you do I think it's good to have a conversation where you're just like it would really mean a lot to me if you would you know try a little bit harder to make individual relationships with my brother or even talk to your family members if they're the ones that aren't really like you know working on it being like it would really matter to me if you guys would like do something one-on-one when we're home for like 10 days or like if you guys would find something to bond over it's like definitely sometimes work but when it works it when you work when you work it and its work It works. That was kind of hard to understand, so I'm sorry if I just sent you into, like, a spiral. But you know what I mean. Like, sometimes it's work, but if you work at it, then it works. And it's great when it works. I don't even know what order to do this all in because I have, like, several different things that I want to talk about. And it's kind of confused, but I'm going to start here. Like, coming back to the city, like, I was really gone for so long because I left on, like, the 11th. Of December and then I returned on like the 21st but then I was like in New York for a few days but I didn't really get to see any of my friends and then I went home so I haven't really seen a lot of my friends in like almost a month or like three to four weeks which is crazy and like one of my best friends had COVID right before I left so I didn't get to see her at all and now like I'm getting back into the city and getting back into the groove and like obviously putting in a lot of effort to see those people that I care about and love and I feel like it's something that we don't talk about a lot and something that we should talk about more is like adult friendship and the way in which adult friendships start emulating the same effort that we have to put into dating and relationships and it's never like that when we're growing up we never see them in that way basically friendships are basically dating without the sex I feel like and I don't think that we draw enough parallels because basically you go from like Oh, like, can my mom call your mom and, like, set up a play date to, like, you're just hanging out at school and sports teams and, like, in college, there's clubs and sororities and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you're in the adult world and it's 110% on you to maintain your relationships with your friends when before there was all these structures helping you to maintain relationships. And for that reason, you were friends with more people. Think about it. In college, you're going to be able to be friends with more people than you are in your adult life because there are structures in place keeping those relationships alive that that you wouldn't yourself give the same effort to. Like you, so for example, your sorority, like you have that structure in place that basically keeps those people in your friend group. And maybe you have two best friends from your sorority and like 10 friends. Maybe in the adult life, you wouldn't put in the effort to maintain the relationships with those 10 friends, but because it's being done for you, you are, and you would put into the relationship the effort into the relationships with the two best friends. So I feel like it's crazy because we never talk about this. Like we never talk about the way that it goes from like having structures that allow us to preserve our friendships to all of a sudden it's a hundred percent on us. It's all our responsibility as like a friend or friend group or whatever to keep it alive. And it's something that is never talked about and I wanted to talk about it because it really is such a crazy shift. And I feel like that's the reason why so many people get in SOS mode when they graduate college and they move to a big city and they start you know trying to navigate friendship and all of a sudden they're like this is so different and it's like yeah it is so different but the real problem is we never talk about the shift that's going to come. We talk a lot about other shifts like we talk about the shift from like you know school to like working full-time and we talk about the shift from like living at your parents to living on your own but we never talk about that friendship shift and it's something that's so real and I feel like you can't beat yourself up if you feel like you have less friends in your adult life than you did when you had the structures around you supporting you and supporting those friendships because if anything I feel like it's quantity over it's when you're Younger, It's like kind of about quantity. Like you want to have a lot of friends. Like it looks good to have a lot of friends. But then when you're older, it becomes about quality. And it's a weird shift because it's like a total mindset thing that nobody talks about. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I used to have 20 friends and now I have seven. And it's like, yeah, because those structures were upholding the other friends that you had in that group. And now they're not. But I feel like it's actually kind of a good thing. Like when you take a step back and think about it, because you start to realize who your friends really, truly are who the people that matter to you really truly are, who the most important people in your life really truly are, because those are the people that you're going to make time for without the structures supporting those friendships. So like I know the people that I love and care about because I am putting in so much effort to have them around, to invite them places, to make plans, to check in on them, all that good stuff. And it might be a lot less people than I feel like I have had in my past, but it's no better or worse. And I feel really really good about it I also think there's something to be said and my friends were just talking about this about like demoting people and I don't mean in like a mean girl way I just mean like if some relationship in your life is not serving you and that person was like once really close to you and you answered every FaceTime call and like now it just like it doesn't feel good when you leave hanging out with them or you're not like enjoying yourself in the way that you once did like it is okay to like demote a friend for lack of a better phrase take somebody from someone that you would see once a week to someone that you see every other week. And if someone asks, you can just, like, say you're really busy or you can give them the conversation about boundaries and just, like, setting those boundaries and keeping them. I feel like it's really important to ask yourself the question of, like, do I feel good and fulfilled when I leave hanging out with these people or do I feel bad about myself? Also, if you say yes to hanging out with your friends every single time they ask or certain friends or certain groups and you feel really guilty about saying no and whatever, you're going to get burnt out. And if you don't preserve energy for yourself, there's no way you can be there for your friends. And so it's actually okay to say no, to not go to things, to not do things because you're preserving your own energy. I really feel like we get in this mindset of like, I have to say yes to everything or else I'm going to get left out the next time and blah, 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 blah. Like if that's how you feel, those aren't your real friends. And you also should not feel guilty for just preserving your own energy and protecting your own peace. Like if you know you get super burnt out and tired and like you are going to feel like shit, like don't go. You should want to show up at 100% for your friends and I hope that they want to show up at 100% for you and the way to do that is prioritizing yourself and being intentionally selfish and saying no sometimes and setting up your boundaries and maybe you're like the biggest social butterfly in the world and you hate being alone and you don't want to do it at all. That's also totally fine. I'm more so just expressing this thought process of like making sure that you are putting yourself before other people sometimes which is crazy and we never talk about it. But you really need to be doing that this year. And I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to be selfish and whatever. And it's like, it's not selfish to put yourself first. It's just, that's the way of the world. We need to fend for ourselves, fight for ourselves. And we need to put ourselves first. Like, think about the oxygen mask in the plane. Like, sorry for the gruesome metaphor. My metaphors are always gruesome. The plane's going down. They give oxygen masks. They say you have to put yours on first before you help somebody else. Because if you're not fucking breathing, you can't help somebody else breathe. Period. Obviously a lot of these thoughts come out of my journaling which I try to journal 10 minutes a day and I literally force myself to just do it for 10 minutes and like even if I really have nothing to write about I just like start writing and I find things I'll just start explaining my day like in my journal and writing is crazy not to be like so obvious but it really like lets you get feelings out and something that I had this tremendous breakthrough about in my writing is in my journaling rather but I guess it was in my writing is that I was writing about like control and like things being out of my control And I started realizing like how you actually, and this is so simple, but you actually cannot do anything when something is out of your control. So a really small example, if you're headed somewhere and you need to be there at 4pm and all the signs point to that you're going to get there on time, but you're in an Uber and there's traffic or something goes wrong or you're in the subway and it stops and there's a problem, like that is completely and entirely out of your control. And I'm not saying it isn't stressful because it is. You're like, holy shit, I'm going to be late. It's so rude. I can't be late. All these things like I totally get it. I totally get feeling anxious and like really like stressed about that. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is allowing yourself to spiral is wasting your energy. Like you only have so much energy. Think about how much energy it takes to have like a huge cry session or like to get really worked up. Like you get, you drain your energy. And if you're going somewhere in this like late, you know, example, you don't want to drain your energy and you can't control it. So what you should do is focus on what you can control. What can you control? You can control texting people to let them know that you're going to be late. You can control apologizing. You can control reworking the rest of your schedule so in case you run a little bit over, things work out. And otherwise, you should just put in your music and take a deep breath and, like, let things happen as they happen. And I feel like we don't do this anymore. We get so stressed out when things are out of our control, when, like, something goes wrong. And I really am trying to focus on what I can control versus what I can't control and really like thinking those things through. I feel like it's a lot about like getting yourself in a headspace where you feel like you are well enough to do that because I used to not be. I used to just like immediately freak out. And I feel like journaling has been a really free way to get into those more positive headspaces. I don't have a ton of journal prompts that I totally love. I kind of just free write. Um, not to sound like a sixth grade English teacher. Everyone free write for 20 minutes. That's your homework um I feel like teachers used to do that when they were lazy they would be like it's free writing and then we can share and it's like write a lesson plan actually justice for the teachers I love them if I was a teacher I would be so fucking lazy like I would be like (laughs) free write for 10 minutes because I need a break I, I say this all the time but like the teachers and the nurses god bless you like I'm not a religious person god bless you like I hope that you're always safe I hope that you're always well because what you do in the world is the hardest fucking jobs Like, I, I literally look up to teachers and nurses so much. I could never, I don't, I, I don't have the emotional capacity. I'm not a good enough person. Like, if you were a teacher or a nurse, go buy yourself a cookie. Like, you fucking deserve it. Um, but back to what I was saying. I think journaling is a really good way to get yourself into the mindset of, like, being mentally well enough to talk yourself off cliffs, emotional cliffs, because I feel like I'm always getting myself onto emotional cliffs when I'm stressed, but really I could just talk myself off of it and life would be so much easy breezy beautiful cover girl so much more easy breezy beautiful cover girl if i could get there and i'm not fully there but i feel like that's something that i've been discovering within my journaling is that i was journaling about something that i got really stressed out about but i realized it was like something completely out of my control sorry for the tangent i just paused because i got a notification from like some broadway thing that the rest of the sweeney todd cast have been announced and jana de wall is on un- is a swing for a beggar woman and love it if you don't give a fuck about this you're about to get learned so there's this revival, Sweeney Todd. I have my own personal feelings about how all of Broadway's, like, revivals and jukeboxes, but that's another story for another time. And it's Josh Groban and Anna Lee Ashford playing Lovett and Sweeney, and then they just announced the rest of the cast. And there's going to be a 26-piece orchestra, which is, like, the reason I want to go in the first place. I'm actually not particularly fond of Sweeney Todd as a musical. I love the character of Lovett. I love having, like, a strong character actress type as a lead role, but... There's a 26 piece orchestra, which is like insane. It's in that alone is crazy. So it's going to be fucking chilling. I actually don't know what I think it's in the I don't know what theater it's in. Sorry, now I want to know. But the Lunt Fontaine, that's what I thought. So it's going to be insane. Anyway, though, Janet DeWall played Diana in the Diana, the musical. And if you haven't seen Diana, the musical, it's on Netflix. It's free. Like if you have Netflix. So log into your ex's Netflix and watch it because It is the height of camp. It is so perfect to me in every single way. But what's really like so funny about it is that the show itself is not good. It's camp. It's kind of, if you're watching it in an ironic way, it's good. But the performances are so outstanding that it's like shocking the dichotomy there and the juxtaposition. But Gianna is like incredible. Like she's so talented. And now I'm like, how do I make sure I can see it on a day when she's playing Love It? It's like not going to be for a while because like, I feel like Annalie, and I love Lee. Like, I'm probably going to see it with her, too, if I can. But, Gianna as Mrs. Lovett, like, ugh. And maybe it'll be kind of one of those situations where she ends up taking over. Like, not to, I want Annalie to have her happy run, but I'm saying, like, when her contract is up. Anyway, such a tangent. That's something that I'm really excited for in 2023. And again, I'm not even really that big of a fan of Sweeney Todd as a musical. It's more so the 26-piece orchestra of it all and the fanfare behind it and, like, the excitement and, like... Also, it does have such a cult following. It is kind of spooky if you like a spooky musical. Other musicals that I do recommend that are on Broadway right now, um, Kimberly Akimbo. It's a new musical. I just saw it. I was hysterically crying after it. I was hysterically crying also because there were empty seats and I hate to see it. And I've told you guys already what empty seats mean on Broadway. It's not a good sign. So go see Kimberly Akimbo if you haven't. It's fucking brilliant. One of my favorite things I've ever seen on Broadway, actually, in terms of new musicals. And I'm not even a big new musical person. And it was an incredible so that's my big Broadway wreck. but now that we're doing wrecks, we might as well talk about all the media that I've taken in over the break and just diving right in so firstly I've watched sex lives of college girls and it takes a lot for me to get into a show I fucking love the sex lives of college girls I there's just so many things about it that when I watch it I'm like I wish that I had this in college because something about me is that being like sexually liberated and feeling so empowered in my femininity and my identity and sex and being positive in that way that was something that was not comfortable for me for a very long time and I probably didn't even get there until COVID and you know my senior year of college I wasn't always like like this in the same way I was always a pretty sexual person but I was never like sexually liberated in the way I feel I am now and also empowered to talk about sex and those kinds of things so freely. And I think that watching other women feel so comfortable doing it is what made me comfortable doing it. So I always say it's really important that if you do have a platform and you are comfortable talking about those kinds of things and you want to, you should be, because it really helps other people to feel inspired to be comfortable as a woman themselves or as a person themselves. And I feel this way about Sex Lives of College Girls a lot because a lot of the themes and a lot of the things that they're talking about and spotlighting I wish I had access like to something so popular when I was in college that made me feel the same way because now I'm like oh I resonate with them I fuck with this like this is fun but in college I would have been I felt really seen I think and I would have felt really empowered and like really confident in being myself I don't know like I know there are shows that have similar themes and do the same things but I wasn't watching them they they didn't feel like at the forefront at like in the way that TikTok prioritizes certain shows and things and makes them like such huge hits or like even like just brings them into the conversation I feel like TikTok really did that with sex lives and I really love it I will say one thing that I have qualm about and I was saying this on TikTok the other day is like when I lived with several girls under the same roof we were always like bickering and fighting and it was never like big things it was always the little things like little ways people annoyed each other or things that we got bothered by and I really wish that there was more of that dynamic I feel like since the episodes are sort of short it would be hard to fit that in with everything else going on and it does feel like very plotty for lack of a better phrase in the second season like there's a lot of plots going on but it does help as someone who has attention issues it does really help because we jump from one plot to the other and I have like different feelings about all the girls like I would say Whitney is probably my favorite I just feel like she's the most level-headed and I I really like her storyline right now it feels like very inspired like when you're a freshman in college and you're going through a breakup and you're trying to figure out who you are like that I don't know that really speaks to me in a way of like I remember being there so I I love her um I went to college with Aaliyah who plays Whitney and she's such a talented actress and singer like Jesus. And then I love Leighton. I love Leighton because I just like how now in this season she's so sure of herself even when she's not. And even before like when she was still figuring out her identity like that was really special but I always felt like she knew who the fuck she was you know other than that aspect of her identity that she was figuring out but she still knew it she just wasn't comfortable with it yet but I feel like she's always known who she is and she's so like headstrong and badass in that way and her banter is incredible I obviously love Bella's storyline because I love her writer I do think that the mistakes that she makes constantly are kind of similar to mistakes I would have made when I was 18 and so I kind of see myself in her in that way And then Kimberly, everyone says I'm a Kimberly, you know, I'll take it. I will. Um, (laughs) but I do love her. Like, she's just sweet. I mean, I'm not on the last episode yet. I'm on the second to last. So apparently shit goes down. I know what happens. TikTok is spoiler alert central and spoiler alerts have never particularly bothered me. I kind of like justice for spoiler alerts, like justice for spoilers, actually, No justice for spoiler alerts. If you're somebody that like does not. Here's my take. If you are somebody who wants to watch something with no spoilers at all, watch it fucking immediately. You have a two week window. And if for some reason and if it's that important to you to to be void of spoilers, watch it in the two week window. If you can't, don't go on your phone. Don't go on Twitter. Don't go on Instagram. You don't need it. Don't go on TikTok until you finish watching it or else you're going to get it spoiled for you unless people are giving active spoiler alerts. But a lot of times they don't. I really do believe that if you're that passionate, if you're going to get that mad, like, I see people getting mad that, like, someone said who Gossip Girl was. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that show has been out for so fucking long. Someone said I gave a spoiler alert from Gilmore Girls. I'm like, guys, Gilmore Girls season one, I gave a spoiler alert from a show that came out, like, upward of 20 years ago, I think. Like, please, please, you, if you do not watch it within the first two weeks of it coming out and then you still choose not to watch it. And you're going on your phone actively. You're asking for it to be spoiled for you. I'm sorry if that's a hot take. I feel that way. I don't care about spoilers, though. I kind of like them. Because then I, like, I can be a part of the conversation Some I'm a bit late. And I know it's coming. But I don't know how they're going to get there. And still, it's fun to watch how it happens. Like, okay, I know that she, what she's going to do. But I still, like, want to watch it unfold. I saw, I've seen clips. But I still want to watch it in the context of everything else. Like, I do not care about spoils. You can spoil anything for me. Unless it's, like... Like, a show that I'm obsessed with, but I'm going to watch it immediately so it won't get spoiled. So, like, when you season four comes out, like, best believe, is it season four or three? Whatever, I don't care. Whatever season that it is that's coming out. I'm watching it in the first two weeks. And if I can't, I'm going to block anything, like, any trigger from, like, coming up. And then if it gets spoiled, I didn't work hard enough. You know what I mean? And I hate to say it, like, if you're mad at me, people get mad at me for spoiling, like, Friends... I'm like I'm sorry. I like people can recite that plot backwards. Like that at this point, that should that's like Shakespeare. That's in like universal domain or whatever. It is called. It's like been around for long enough. Like there's no longer spoiler alerts. Everybody knows she got off the plane. Did I sp- I'm sorry if I spoiled it. She got she gets off. I'm probably going to get hate mail from this, but I'm sorry it's a hot take of the day. We need to relax about spo- getting things spoiled for us because you have the ability to not see a spoiler. If you watch it immediately, instantly, while it's going on, if if it matters that much to you, and if you can't, because life gets in the way, and I understand that, then you decide to not use social media and to take yourself out of situations where it would be spoiled for you so it isn't spoiled. You're not working hard enough if you get a show spoiled for you. You're not. And if you get upset about a show that has been out for longer than two years getting spoiled for you, you need to touch grass because, of course, it's going to get spoiled It's been out for 20 years. People are like, oh my god, like, I can't believe that you spoiled, like, what's, like, the most popular movie ever. I don't even know. No, I'm sorry. People are out here like, I can't believe you spoiled the Titanic. I'm like, it's a fucking historical account of something that really happened. And we all know what happened. What do you mean? Like, people everyone needs to be open to getting things spoiled for them in 2023 unless they're working hard enough that it won't be it's on you babes the call is coming from inside the house okay the next thing that i watched that i wanted to review this might actually be i'm going to give a spoiler alert because <laughs> it's kind of new we watch knives out so i'm going to talk about knives out but first i'm going to talk about the date night that we did so basically we flipped a coin he won So he got to show me three trailers of movies that I hadn't seen before. He was also allowed to not have seen them before. But the rule was I couldn't have seen them. And then I watched all three trailers and I chose a movie. And then we watched Knives Out. And then we did the same thing for me. And I showed three trailers. And then we watched Easy A. So we watched Easy A and Knives Out. But Easy A, like you guys know what Easy A is about. If you don't, go watch it. I won't spoil it for you. (laughs) But Knives Out. um, I thought it was really good. I... I, being someone with attention issues, I need to either be super invested in the characters or it needs to be so fast moving. And Knives Out, the twists and the turns were crazy. Like, the adrenaline was so high. And this is Glass Onion Knives Out. I haven't watched the first one yet, but I'm definitely going to. If you want to spoil it, DM me the whole plot. Tell me what it's about. It'll make it a little bit less suspenseful, but I'll still watch it. Anyway, Knives Out. It's Glass Onion. It's really good. Like, I literally loved it i loved the concept i loved the setup i loved kate hudson she was so good i thought that the guy I, I, this could be so dumb because i haven't looked anything up or even heard people talking about it it's like not on my for you page. just like media discourse but i felt like the main character guy like whatever his name is who like owns the island and like the glass onion whatever he's like elon musk no he's supposed to be right i mean that's all really, all i really have to say about it like i would recommend watching it i thought it was really good Um, but yeah, he reminds me of Elon Musk. Not that I know Elon Musk, but if I did, I feel like they would be the same. We also watched the Matilda movie and get ready for a hot take. Whenever I critique something, I'm not necessarily critiquing the performances unless I say that. So with this, I'm not critiquing the performances. They were amazing. I fundamentally do not like Matilda as a musical. I like the music in Matilda but I don't think that the book lends itself well to a stage adaptation at all. I actually think it lent itself pretty well to a movie, but even so it doesn't really. doll. I don't think that he, like, hang on, I'm gonna look this up real quick. Okay, I was right. He wrote some screenplays, but he was predominantly a fiction children's literature writer, so I don't think an Obviously, things get adapted all the time, and some things do better in adaptations than others. Some things lend themselves better to adaptations. I'm not saying it's bad, but I've seen the stage musical now and the movie, and I just do not think that the story was fit for either of those things. Really, like the movie more so than the musical. And I like the music, and I love the performances. I just, it doesn't hit for me. It feels super unfinished. It feels like a children's book. It feels... Fantastical in a way that doesn't make sense to me. It feels like they're trying to make it make too much sense, but it doesn't make enough sense, so it doesn't work. I think that the big problem with using a ton of children, child actors, are there are a lot of rules which there should be, but then you can't get what you're trying to get out of it. Like I, I don't know. I just I just didn't hit for me. like I thought production wise it was really good. Performances incredible. I like the music in Matilda, but I. It didn't hit. I, I fundamentally don't think that certain things should be moved to that medium. The movie is iconic, and I like the movie, but I really... The musicals, the sh- the movie musical and the musical aren't my favorite. Um, but again, performances, amazing. I just... I don't know. That's just how I felt. And then I was looking up a bit about Rodin and his legacy, and there's a ton of concerns about like his anti-Semitism and misogyny and racism, which I didn't know about, um, but I'm trying to find it in this article, this Time magazine article, because that's where I read it. And okay. The Guardian reported that um uh, he was associated with anti Semitism and not regarded as an author of the highest reputation. Um yeah. Most of his utterances were unambiguously anti Semitic. He may have been a children's writer, but he was also a racist, and this should be remembered. That's what they said. And so then um, the Dahl family and the Road Doll story company issued an apology for his history of anti-Semitism. So it's like, this is like actually legit. I honestly like, I try to look into people before I talk about them online because I was going to talk about Road Dahl and how like, what was he on when he wrote all this stuff? It's all crazy in a good way, like insane. And then I found all that and I was like, oh my God, we can't have anything nice. It's the same way as when I was looking up a college professor of mine that I really loved to try to find his email, found out he was involved in all the sexual assault allegations after I left school. It's like, we can't have anything nice. Anyway, there's a little history of Road Doll if you're interested in looking into it. I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie musical. I like the movie better. Um, I like the book the best, but everybody has their own opinions. That might've been your favorite shit that you've ever seen. The best part was revolting children and they marketed it that all of it was gonna hit that hard and it didn't and that's fine. Certain things don't hit all around the board and it's allowed to be that way. Okay, reading. I read Lessons in Chemistry. I just couldn't escape it. I read the back of the Lessons in Chemistry before and I was like, this doesn't seem like something I would like. And then every bookstore I went into, it was there on the table. Best book of the year. Every place I went, every Kindle ad was Lessons in Chemistry. So I bit the bullet, decided to read it. It's really long. I don't think I would recommend it to someone trying to get into reading at all because it's a bit slow. And I couldn't pinpoint my problem with it or the reason why I felt like it was a bit slow for me because I do like the plot and I did like it. I give it like a 7, a six point seven five seven out of 10. Like it was good. But I pinpointed what the problem was and it's that the author emulated the the main character after her own life. So the main character was like a chemist and she was like a rower and all these other things. And the author was the same person as her main character, basically, and it was a book of fiction. And so I think that the author thought that she was giving us enough because she knows herself so well and she was basically writing herself as a character, but there weren't enough descriptors. Like, this is going to sound really silly and maybe almost corny, but when I'm reading a book and you are like oh the main character like what does she eat for breakfast like daisy jones in the six is a really good example like you could be like daisy jones for breakfast has two glasses of champagne and two bites of a croissant and a cigarette like you even though they never wrote it anywhere they probably did but like even though it was never written directly like you know what she would eat i like to know my characters that well because it puts me in a place where i'm super invested in them and i don't need to know actually what they ate for breakfast i just need to know enough about them that i could formulate that for you With this book, I couldn't do that. And I just didn't feel enough invested in this character. And also, just like, I never felt like we hit a peak. The book was all kind of like, so it was growing, 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 growing. And then the peak, like the highest point of tension, happened in the first 100 pages and it's like 400 pages long. It might have happened in the first 70. And then it all kind of flatlined. So I don't know. If you're looking for something to read and you like a book set in the 60s, 50s, and you like science, because there's a lot of science stuff in it, I would recommend it. If you're a fast reader and you're looking for something to read, I'd recommend it. If you're like a brand new reader, don't read it, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite. I, I don't like to say I dislike anything. I like to say it wasn't my favorite, because I know that this could be some someone's favorite book, and that's totally valid, because we all have different opinions and tastes, and we're allowed to. Okay, so that's what I've been watching and reading. Now to get into a couple more updates about the upcoming year, I'm going to start I'm going to show more workout content because you guys asked. I'm going to go to Rumble because they reached out to me and they asked me if I wanted to do this challenge and they put 12 classes in my like boxing account. Now I don't box. My brother Jake and then Jess, they go all the time. They love boxing like as a workout and they're both like in amazing shape. So maybe maybe I'll get strong from boxing. So I'm going to try that. Updates to come. I'll always be honest about whether or not I like it. I hope I do. They've been really nice. Um, I unghosted my therapist, which I recommend everyone does. It's honestly like I haven't even had a session with her, but I'm already feeling better. I'm like unghosted her. I'm so not toxic. Like I'm thriving. Do that or get one. Go for it. You know how you know how it is. Like New Year, new therapist. If you need one, just shop around a little bit. Booking all my appointments, all my doctor's appointments, getting on top of that shit because that's important. Because we're entering the wintertime and seasonal depression and everything. You just want to be on tip top shape. I like to get my little blood work done at my endocrinologist and see how everything is vibing, working, whatever. I like to, you know, go to my gut doctor and, like, do all that stuff, like, for my gluten thing, whatever. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up already, which is crazy, and the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because I was in the CVS buying something, I look over, they're moving all the Christmas stuff to the, um, like, what do you call it, it starts with a C. What is it, like, sale, but not sale? What is the word for sale that's not sale? Clearance, clearance, clearance. They're moving it to the clearance, then they were putting in all the valentine's day stuff which i love because it's my favorite holiday in the world and we'll get into it more i'll definitely do a full episode on that but i feel like a lot of people in the wintertime are like cuffing season cuffing season cuffing season like that's not a thing like you don't need there's no like seasons of when you should get into relationships because we're all individuals going through individual things and a lot of us like aren't ready to be in a relationship right now or don't want to be or like that's not something that's going to serve us like not something that we want a lot of us are getting out of them like everybody's timeline is different so the whole idea of like you need to be cuffed this is the perfect time like get a man like you don't need a man you don't need a person you don't need anybody but yourself and like I said before if you're not feeling 100% you if you're not feeling 100% in control you're not gonna be show- showing up for somebody else and you're not it's not gonna feel right it's not gonna feel good so I just wanted to like point that out and I also think that there's something to be said about like actively dating versus like passively dating versus not dating at all what actively dating is to me is like actively going on dates, actively seeking out a romantic partner, actively swiping on the apps, all that good stuff. Passively dating is like if it came around, you wouldn't be upset. Like you're not closed off to it, but you're not like putting yourself out there that much actively. And then not doing it at all is just not doing it at all, like not trying at all. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with the third option. And people seem to think that there is. Like whenever you're like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And someone's like, no. And then they'll be like don't worry like you'll find someone it's like I wasn't fucking worried or when someone's like oh like are you dating right now like who are you seeing and you're like nobody and they're like don't worry you'll find someone it's like I don't want to I just find that discourse to be so bizarre and I think we need to get to a place where we remind ourselves that we do not need to be actively dating to be valid we don't even need to be passively dating to be valid we don't need to be dating at all Like, you are you. You're at 100% without somebody else. Like, you don't need somebody else to be valid. You don't need somebody else to be okay. It's not like, oh, don't worry. You're going to find someone. Like, we're not worried. We're good. We're fucking good. Being single is cool. It's in. It's hot. If you want to be single, amazing. If you don't want to be single, then start actively dating. Put yourself out there, looking for a partner. Manifest that shit. But I just, I just wanted to say that because I feel like with Valentine's Day and cuffing season and all that bullshit, if you're not somebody that's interested in actively dating right now, it can feel like really pressur'y. And like, relax into it, girly. You're doing the best job that you can, and I'm proud of you. Another thing that's coming up is that I'm going to Vegas for my first time. I think I may have mentioned it to you guys, but it was my boyfriend's birthday present. Is that we're going to Las Vegas to celebrate his birthday very late it's his 25th though and he loves it there so i was like okay we're gonna do a vegas trip and then serendipitously a hotel reached out to me and was like we'd love to host you in vegas and i was like this is perfect like these flights are really expensive as is and we're gonna be spending money on gambling and whatnot so now we have the hotel little brand deal that we're doing and we're going to vegas we're going for martin luther king i don't know if you guys have plans for that weekend um like because of the day off it's just better for traveling um so we're gonna be there i don't know if you guys have wrecks or anything i'm not really a big gambler, but. I'm open to seeing how it goes. I'm, you know, like, I feel like there are a lot of good Instagram captions. I feel like I can wear glitter. So, so far, I'm feeling pretty motivated about Vegas that I can, like, put on a glittery outfit and, like, wear high heels. That sounds fun to me. We're also going to go to some shows. So, I feel like it's going to be, like, fun. I feel like it's going to be a good time and also, like, a place I have never been before that is, like, so notorious in media and pop culture that I feel like I should go and that's my upcoming travel plan the most you know familiar recent one um and then yeah I've just been organizing myself a lot for everything coming up I mean content in Q1 I feel like is going to be really fun because the rest of the year is going to be really heavily dedicated to book stuff and marketing and all that good stuff so I'm like looking forward to just having fun online with TikTok and Instagram making content that I want to make making content for you guys that you guys want me to make vlogging all that stuff and then A lot of the writing focus is also going to be pretty prevalent because I'm working on a new writing project and I'm looking into having a column or some sort of um, op-ed style thing with an outlet, which is going to be really fun. And then the podcast, I'm going to be bringing on a lot of guests and working really hard to kind of like show my journalistic skills off a bit more. I did go to journalism school. I did study audio journalism in addition to like written journalism and digital. And I'm excited to interview more interview more people. I feel like you guys really liked the episode with Tim. Um, and if you have any guest recommendations, let me know. I'm so excited. We have some amazing ones on the books. Our first guest of the season is going to be James is smiling on TikTok. If you know, mm-hmm. they're at they're an amazing creator. Definitely check them out. Our second guest is going to be Jenna Palick, And then I'm working on booking a few more in um, and I'm really excited. So those are going to be two of our guests coming upcoming down the pipe and then there are so many more and we're going to talk about so many things I saw some of you guys wanted to talk about like plus size fashion on the pod so I'm looking for somebody who's really into that and that's a lot about what their platform is about you guys wanted me to talk about certain like career stuff so I'm looking for like experts or people that talk about that a lot on their platform that I can interview so I think that's it for me I hope you guys enjoyed this catch-up episode I really enjoyed catching up with you and laying here I'm now overheating so the The world works in funny ways. You know, you give a girl 50 minutes under an anxiety blanket, all of a sudden she'll be overheating. But probably if I come out, I'll get cold again. It's tough. You know, the, the world's a tough place, guys. You know, just stay true to yourself. Remember, it's the year of you. You're stunning, gorgeous, smart, beautiful. I love you very much. I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. But we're going to have special guest, Jenna Palick next week. So if you have anything that you need me to ask before I put up a question box for her, DM it to me. And as always, let me know if you need anything. I love you. I'm sending you the biggest hug. Go get yourself a treat if you're a teacher or a nurse. You fucking deserve it. I, like, I need you to do it. Second semester for the teachers. God bless. Bless up. Nurses, it's winter. Please. And you know what? Get yourself a treat anyway. Okay? We might not be carrying the world on our backs, but we are trying our best. And that is worth something. I love you guys. Bye.